they may not have seen it all, but they've experienced. Fourth and 26. Stinks in a trash. AI's crossover. Throwing batteries at J.D. Drew. Brad Lidge hugging Carlos Ruiz. The Legion of Doom. And thousands of wins and losses over three decades of fandom. Talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. Here are your hosts, Joe O'Donnell and John Mita. Yes, 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 SoundCloud.com. Oh, yeah. What's up, Johnny Meats? Back for another another edition. That's right, back and better than ever, my friends. This is the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com. Follow us on Twitter, at BeLovePodcast. Johnny Meat, I was this close to getting your boy Seth Joyner on tonight. This close. No. No. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what? He does He does remote. And, uh, you know, I have off on Tuesdays at Andy's Diner. He does a remote in Conjahawk. So I'm going to see if I can slip by there in the afternoon and uh, see if I can talk it up. I would love to have him on. Yeah, dude. Good story. How uh, you got to go get some close. pancakes or something with with him? You know? <laughs> a little little Twitter fodder. How was he? Saying? Yeah, I blew him up on the on Twitter today, and uh, he was traveling back from Phoenix, but he responded. Uh, and then I tried to be like, "Well, what about when you land late night?" And I got no response. Actually, I haven't checked, so for all I know, he could be expecting our call. But uh, we'll get Seth Joiner on at some point. We're not. I'm not. I'm not taking a no. I'm not taking no. For an answer from some of these peeps, you know what I mean. We got to spread the love. They got to spread the love on the Brotherly Love podcast. Yeah, he's a uh, man. He was a scary player, one of the most fiercest linebackers ever to play the game. And if you just hear him talk and visually see him, man, he's an intimidating guy. But he really is very knowledgeable of the game for sure. Yeah. All right. So this is the Brotherly Love podcast, episode forty-one, I believe. Right, Johnny Mita. 41, you know it. We might actually be at 50 right around the time of the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 50. I was thinking about that the other day. Wow. You know, think about it. February's, you know, we might miss a week here or there. We got eight weeks after this week. I mean, that's two months. We we could be right there, brother. Talking playoff football right around the anniversary of our uh, of our great podcast here on SoundCloud.com. And I, and I mean great people. Absolutely stellar. All right, Johnny Mita, let's talk about, uh, let's give the folks an overview. Uh, Eagles enjoy a bye week. It's always great when the rest of the NFC East loses. Now, granted, the Redskins were off as well, but heartbreaking losses for the Cowgirls and Sheila Manning and the Giants. Uh, we'll talk about the game plan to, to beat down Dallas on Sunday night in Dallas. One bold prediction for the Eagles in the second half of the year, the quote-unquote second half of the year. We'll have uh, what I hope will be a regular feature, our Sixers Minute. I haven't seen one second or one highlight of Sixers basketball. I did see on Philly.com they lost to the Cavs. So other than that, I don't have a clue. That's why Johnny Mead is part of this dynamic duo. He'll break it down for you. We'll spread the love as always, and we'll uh, we'll have a little on the fly as well. Sound good, my man? It's rock and roll, brother. All right, bye week for the Birds. Heartbreaking losses for the Cowboys and the Giants. Which one do you think you enjoyed more? The Giants' uh, last-minute, last-second loss to the Saints after Eli Manning threw for six touchdowns, or or the Cowgirls thinking they had a real chance against the Seahawks? It's got to be the Cowboys. There's just no doubt about it. Just to watch that team blunder week in, week out, 
ever since Tony Romo has went down, they have not won a football game. Yeah, just just to look at Jerry Jones and their face and the disappointment when that team loses and that organization calling Greg Hardy a leader. We touched on it last week. Yeah, just love love seeing that. You know, about about two weeks ago, Johnny Mita, I was actually still concerned about the Dallas Cowboys, thinking that they were the best team in the division once Romo and Bryant were back. Maybe I was just sniffing glue because they haven't done anything. They haven't even won a football game, as you just touched on, without Tony Romo. Bryant was back last week and was basically, you know, held without a, a, a major play in the game. Now, granted, Richard Sherman's going up against him first week back from injury, so a tough go for Bryant. But uh, maybe I overvalued how good the Cowboys were, even without, you know, I was thinking Romo comes back, they might win nine games, and they're going to be hard-pressed to get to 8-8 eight and eight at this point. Hard-pressed. Because they still have a game against the Packers, if I'm not mistaken. They still have the Panthers, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, they could lose 10 games. Exactly. No question about it. And if the Giants are the best thing this division has to offer, bring it on. Yeah, I mean, their defense, my God, Drew Brees just had a field day. Of course, I leave him on the fantasy bench. He goes for a whopping 60 points. But, um, yeah, I mean, their defense was like Swiss cheese. I'm, you know, this is the Eagles division to win. There's no doubt about it. It's just a matter of can they put things together. And to have a bye week after right in the middle of the season, I don't think it could have come at a better time. And let's hope they uh, ramp it up for the second half here. Yeah, we'll get there in just a second, but I want to digress for a moment. Uh, I chirped your fantasy football team hard a couple weeks ago, and then you beat me last week, and you didn't mention it on the podcast. So I don't know if you're just not paying attention anymore or if you took the high road. If it was the latter, kudos to you. But I have to give you props. The A team took down High Stinky Cheese. I'm in a bit of a tailspin right now in the uh, in the Poo Nuggets League. But I will uh, I will rebound for the playoffs. I'm looking to peak for the playoffs. <laughs> my whole season in the Poo Nuggets has been debauchery, except for my great win against you. I think <laughs> I was riding off the high of the hole-in-one. Last week, yeah, I yeah, that's yeah. You're holding one. Up. Well, that and and yeah. I, I put some bulletin board material up there for your team by talking exactly. so much smack. Um, all right, let's talk about the bye week, the game plan to beat the Cowboys. I tend to agree with you that it couldn't, you know, come at a better time. But I think the biggest thing is going to be what? How do the Eagles approach? You know, how do they approach the bye week? I'm sure there's time off. Obviously, it's mandated by the NFL. But the work they put in, whether it's a couple days last week. This week, um, I, I'm not sure how they actually divvy that up, be quite honest. But to me, what did they do? What what did they use that time to accomplish, right? Because I've, I've been a big believer. I've said it on this podcast here on SoundCloud.com last couple weeks. I just feel like there's a lack of chemistry. So... Were they able to get in extra reps? Were they able to, you know, tweak the scheme? Was is Sam Bradford working on his footwork? I mean, whatever it is to get these guys on the same page, start the jail and start to build some momentum. This team needs offensive momentum. We've seen when they're playing cohesively as a unit offensively, and they're and they're able to even overcome some of the penalties or the drops. They can put up 35 points a game, which is what we expected from this offense all year long. Problem is, is it has been in spurts, very sporadic spurts, and not damn near good enough. So what did they work on? How do they work on it? How much time do they get off to rest, to mend? And where will this team pick up? 
If they come out Sunday with a game plan that I hope they do, which is some deep shots, which is establish a running game, I'm not worried about the defense. I'm not worried about special teams Sunday night in Dallas. I'm worried about the offense. Will they click early? If they do, there's not a doubt in my mind that the Eagles route the Cowboys Sunday night. Yeah, um, it's pretty consistent with what I had. I think, like, they had a couple, you know, two weeks off or two weeks to get prepared for the Cowboys. Like you said, Chip Kelly's playbook has been so predictable this year. And I think, I hope to God that he just got creative with it. And I'm, I'm in full agreement with you. For God's sake, can they take some deep shots? Who knows? You might get a pass interference penalty. Yeah. Stranger things have happened. And for, and not only that, Ryan Matthews tweaked his groin in the Carolina game. Listen, if he's able to go, run him, run him hard. I know DeMarco Murray is going against his old team. I get all that. But whoever has the hot hand, you got to ride that guy. And the Cowboys are coming off the tough loss. This is a perfect opportunity to stick a dagger in them, and they should do it. No doubt about it. They should do it. And defensively, it's, it's pretty simple. You know, keep Darren McFadden in check, which the Eagles' run defense has been solid all year. Don't think it will be a problem. However, McFadden, the last couple of weeks, he's run pretty well for the Cowboys. And you're playing Matt Castle. This guy is an absolute turnover machine when he's pressured. Billy Davis needs to ramp it up, step up the game plan, blitz the hell out of him all day, all game long, and go from there and see what happens. And see if maybe the defense can get a couple turnovers inside the 30-yard line so our offense doesn't have to work that hard to get some points on the board. Well, it better be inside the 15 with Caleb Sturgis as your kicker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, and my other thing, too, just one, one last yeah. thing. If Sam Bradford happens to struggle in this game, pull the trigger. It's not happening, Seriously. dude. I'm telling you. We are strapped with Sam to our backs as Eagles fans <laughs> till death do us part. It is a relationship. Whether you like it or not, it ain't changing, bro. I am convinced of that. Who do we root for injury? <laughs> Well, hey, oh, hey no, just knowing the Eagles' luck, he'd have a miserable year and stay healthy when we all thought he'd have yeah. a great year and be hurt. Yeah. Oh, God. Let me so, throw this at you. What are you hearing about Kiko so, Alonso? I'm hearing that he's going this week. Okay. Because if he doesn't, do we push the panic button as a fan base? No. What, what do you mean push the panic? The fact that maybe what? he's not going to play football again for a while? I just, I mean, that's the one position. Where they have everybody. Oh, I get that. I get that. But I'm just saying, you know, you make the move, you tra- you trade for this guy. I like what I see. I like what I saw. However you want to phrase right. it. Now he's been hurt. Then he's game time. Then he's not playing. Him and Kendricks. Like, the bye week, as you pointed out, probably came at a perfect time. Jason Peters, yeah. right on down the line. Let's get him healthy. Let's go out there. You know, Eagles go out there on Sunday night feeling as good as they had all season, since week one, since since the expectations were so high, and maybe they live up to them. Maybe they go out there and they live up to them Sunday night in Dallas. That's what you've got to hope for. That's it. No doubt about You know, Chip that. Kelly's first year, John Mita, they got better as the year went on. They were one of the most formidable teams going into the playoffs. Granted, it didn't work out losing to the Saints at home. Last year, they faded down the stretch. So what's this year going to hold? That That's the million-dollar question. Are they going to, you know, they did they work on the fundamentals? Did they, did they work on... 
You know, is Nelson Aguilar going to play? I mean, there's so many questions right now going into Sunday night. A lot of them are health-related, but to me, the rest of them are all about execution and chemistry. Are they going to get it together offensively early enough in this game where they put pressure then on the Cowboys to throw the ball? They put pressure on the Cowboys' defense to know they can't give up any more points. That's when you can start to take advantage of some opportunities. When teams start to get a little over-aggressive or they're not you know, mentally, they're a little mentally fragile because you built momentum in the game because you're playing with confidence. I'm tired of the first halves and the first quarters where the Eagles look like they've never played football together. Amen, brother. And keep in mind, keep in mind, Cowboys pass rush much improved with the degenerates Greg Hardy and uh, that Gregory character. Was it Randy Gregory? Yeah, yeah. Those dusters, those those model Americans with those two in the in the lineup. Eagles didn't see them in week two. And and please God, stay away from Sean Lee. If he's on the football field, wherever he's at, just go in another direction. Yeah, he's a very talented player, man. Very similar to Luke Keekley. Yeah. All right, so you the offensive t- line's gonna have to play one of their better games. Yeah, exactly. So you told me, oh, that's another thing. The offensive line, the work t- they could put in, you know, uh, with the extra preparation time and getting a better feel for what they're what they're gonna try and accomplish on Sunday night. All right, you told me that there's a report from the one and only fur-coated imbecile himself, the idiot of all idiots, Howard Eskin. That the Eagles actually offered Sam Bradford a multi-year deal. Can you please elaborate on this for our peeps on SoundCloud.com? Yeah, no problem. So basically, it was reported yesterday by Howard Eskin on the Josh and so on 94.1 WIP. That the Eagles, uh, I guess in the last couple of months, or it could have been the start of, you know, right at the priest, their first couple of weeks of the season, that the Eagles offered Sam Bradford a four-year deal for $18 million per year, which equates to $72 million over four years. Wow. Now, if this is, if, you know, on Howard, you know, you can hate him, say what you want, but the guy does get some quality information. Yeah, he's got scoops. If this, yeah. If this is true, this is absolute, it's just, it's the most, ridiculous thing I've heard in the last year. So when do you, wait, so that, hang, hang on, hang on. See, I'm a little unclear. So it wasn't offered like recently. Like it wasn't offered after a Bradford sample size, right? Right. As no, far I mean, as you I, understand I, it, it was offered pre what all of our eyeballs have witnessed. Yeah. They didn't offer much. that. They didn't offer this contract like yesterday or two weeks ago or during the buy. No, no, no. Okay. No. From what I understand, this was more at the front. You know, after he lit up Green Bay in the preseason. I think this was like in the first two weeks of the season. So basically, like we that. we should be thanking the football gods that Sam Bradford and his agent stupidly declined to set offer. Yeah, Tom Don Condon, who's you know an NFL super agent, has a very high profile cost. If he turned down this deal, my question is: whatever he's smoking, <laughs> bring that my way. Because for you to think. Sam Bradford in this league is going to make $20 million per year moving forward. You are out of your freaking mind. Yeah. Listen, guys, the top paid quarterback, look at Brady, Rodgers. Unfortunately, Jay Cutler's one of the highest paid quarterbacks. These guys are making between 18 and $22 million. This guy's not even a top 25 quarterback. 
And to think that he would get paid at that level, it's mind-blowing. And, and i got to kill the Eagles for this one. Whoever, I don't know whose move it was, whoever drew up the contract, they happen to be on drugs, too. Isn't it it's Howie? Isn't magic. Howie still doing the numbers? Oh, my God, the numbers. It's like they're in the magical mystery machine from Scooby-Doo. Hey. Each, and every, each and every one of them. Hey, can Are we, you kidding me? Can we... The fact that, can we try and get an idea of where Howie Roseman actually is? Like a where in the world is Howie Roseman? Yeah, yeah. We, we try to get him on. I actually know where he lives. You do? Even that, well, that's that, more than yeah. probably the Eagles organization, because I, I, he's probably in the basement somewhere at NovaCare Complex. It's, it's incredible. He's probably God, trying to sabotage the Eagles. He's probably like, let's offer Bradford $18 million a year. Hmm. I, I've just, I, he has not been heard from. Not even a peep, as far as I've seen, read, or otherwise, since he was relegated to, you know, assistant equipment guy, special assistant to the equipment manager's brother. Like, it's what a fall from grace, to be quite honest. Uh, And just to go on this, Bradford, listen, his rookie deal, okay, which is probably one of the richest rookie deals in history. It was a six-year, $76 million contract with $50 million guaranteed. Yeah. That's right. Fifty. This guy's made $50 million. Well, after we pay him 13 the Eagles pay him 13 he'll, he'll get that 50 more. But are you kidding me? Yeah. Well, it, that was he was one of the last years before they put in, like, the slot system, right, for the, no, for the draft picks? Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. No, you were absolutely 100% correct. He was the last year... Right before the rookie slot system, Cam Newton then got drafted the following year, made about $22 million over the course of his contract. Yeah. $50 million guaranteed for this guy, who's been nothing but a loser so far. All right, NFL trade deadline comes yep. and goes today. Did you expect anything from the Birds? You disappointed about this? And I guess my follow-up would be, should they have made a play for Colin Kaepernick if, if it was a reasonable asking price? Yeah, um... Colin Kaepernick, well, here, here's one thing what I'd love to see this team do is try to pick up another decent veteran wide receiver. I heard Anquan Bolden might have been on the you know, the market. San Francisco, great possession receiver. A guy that you can rely on that can make it up catching traffic. Yep. You know, Joe Flacco and the Ravens rode him to the Super Bowl. Amen. And they, he gets he gets traded for a six rounder. I would have loved to have seen a deal like that get done. Just so that he can bring, like, Anquan Bowen right now, better than Riley Cooper, better than Miles Austin, better than Josh Hoff. Right there, that would have been an upgrade. I don't know the type of deal, but it would have cost you. Would have cost you a fourth-round pick, a fifth-round pick. But it totally would have been an upgrade. He could help some of these younger guys. And uh, I would have loved to see that move. Joe Thomas, another one. Now, granted, he almost got traded to Denver today. They were asking a huge asking price, a first and a second round pick, from what I understand. Hey, well, guess what, Johnny Mita? The Eagles don't have a second round pick this year because they gave it to the Rams for Sam. I know. Exactly. I mean, if you were able to pick up Joe Thomas, then maybe you could slide, you know, Lane Johnson into play guard. And then now now your offensive line is very formal. Biggest surprise to the uh, trade deadline for me? It's the fact that nobody wanted to trade for Riley Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, 
well played. <laughs> so uh, to your point, Colin Kaepernick, you know, this guy right now seems like he's, he's a mental midget. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Yep. If he gets with the right quarterback coach, uh, I don't know. I think I, he's an odd bird, man. I think he beats to his own drum. I don't know. He's a likable yep. guy. Boy, does yeah. he have talent. Boy, could he run this offense. But, you know, I yeah. think at the end of the day, he might be a little soft. I I don't know. I just, he, he was a flash in the pan, unfortunately. Uh, right now, you'd have to say flash in the pan. Not bust, flash in the pan. Very similar to RG3. And and you would have, yeah. and you would have maybe said, you would have maybe thrown Cam Newton in that boat up until this year. Yeah, but Cam, you know, Cam, he's... No, he's been on winning teams, but he is... You know, yeah. with the immaturity and the and the turnovers, I mean, you yeah. know, I don't know. Yeah, he, he's yeah. never. Th- yeah. This is his best year throwing the football, correct or incorrect? Who? Cam Newton. Uh, actually, actually, it's a rookie year. He throws better. That is true. Yeah. I mean, his numbers. He Maybe I'm just a hater. Maybe I'm just hating on Cam yeah. Newton. Nah, I like Cam Newton, but. Honestly, God, you know who my quarterback in Philadelphia Eagles is? Who? He's still playing college football right now. And he plays for Texas Christian University, and his name is Trevon Boykin. Keep your eye out for this guy. You heard it here first from John Mita. I'm telling you right now, the kid's a star. He's like the, the closest thing I've seen to Michael Vick. Now everybody's going, oh, oh, Michael Vick, we don't want him. No, this kid can swing the ball. He's had three games this year where he's thrown over 400 yards. He could run this offense to a T. I think he'll slide in the first round to where the Eagles might be picking to the fact that he is not your, you know, prototypical pocket passer. That's the guy I want for next year. I draft him, and then I ride with the Sanchez and tell Bradford, you know, good luck, Sam. Enjoy your $13 million this year. Hit the road, Jack. Don't you come back. No more, no more, no more. Pretty sure Sam Bradford could find a home in Buffalo, where most NFL players go to die. All right, we'll take a timeout on the Brotherly Love podcast on SoundCloud.com. We come back, one bold prediction for the Eagles' second half, our Sixers minute with Johnny Mita. Spread the love on the fly. You know the drill, it's the Brotherly Love podcast on SoundCloud.com. Stick with us. You're listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast, exclusively on SoundCloud.com. All right, welcome back. SoundCloud.com, Brotherly Love Podcast. It's time for our Sixers Minute. Oh, yeah. Let's let this ride for a minute, Johnny Media. Seven to Sixers. Nice, nice. Can't wait for the uh, the ten nine eight part. Classic. That's right.
All right, Johnny Meade, it's oh. all yours. The stage is yours, my friend. It's our Sixers Minute. <laughs> oh, man, that is an absolute classic song, by the way. I love hearing that. <laughs> uh, it, so, give me a quick Sixers Minute. I actually, uh, my brother and I went down to the uh, home opener to see the Utah Jazz. So nice. I was able to get an uphand close look at the Sixers this year. And, uh, you know, the same problem still exists. Uh, Leo Okafor looks like he's going to be a good director. Right now, he's averaging 20 points a game. However, the shocking part about this guy's game right now is he's only averaging a mere five rebounds a game. You know, the NBA is a much more physical style of basketball. You better get it together. There's no way in the world this guy shouldn't bring home 10 rebounds a night. So he, he needs to pick it up on that. Uh, Nerland's Noel, he's progressing very nicely. Another good front court player. If they ever get Joel and B back, the front court is talented. They also have Jeremy Grant, who is, uh, he's now like a second year guy from Sixers. He, he's pretty, he can do some things in the front court. So the front court looks very promising for this basketball team. However, let's get to the downside. They are still lacking a franchise point guard. They need somebody that's going to be able to get these guys in good positions to score the basketball. That's what they're lacking. Somebody that can also help on the scoring end because this team just struggles. They go through many scoring droughts through the course of a game. The other night, last night, they were you know taking it to the Eastern Conference champion, the Cleveland Cavaliers. They went on this unbelievable shooting streak. And then they ended up losing. Well, they were down 20 to 4. They cut it close to make it like a seven-point game. But Dario starts another thing. He's coming from Turkey next year. This is the Spash and Dash player. You understand yeah. that they had small forward. He is coming to the NBA next year. So hopefully he's progressed in Turkey and is ready to make an NBA debut next year. And we have all those draft picks that we stockpile. So Hopefully the teams that lottery protected, we club, you know, we can pluck a couple more young players and maybe attract some free agents. I, I don't know why anybody would have put a play in Philadelphia. It's a top five market. You're a young team. I know right now they're struggle city, but with, with the front court players they have, there there's some pieces, and they have some pieces on the bench. They have there's some some talented players on this team. They're just not starters. You know, they're good bench pieces, but they're just not starting players in the NBA. So, that feels Sixers minute. It's going to be another long, tough year, unfortunately. But the positives to look for is, is maturing, you know, front court for this team. And hopefully, you know, please, we can get some a franchise, you know, point guard. I would love to see it. And, I, you know, I'm a big Villanova fan, as you know, Joe. So Jalen Brunson, he's a freshman point guard. If this guy has an unbelievable year and comes out, that maybe we could pluck him to become a Sixer. So we'll see what happens. I'll give you more of an update to go on. The Sixers are still 0-3. They have not won a game this season yet. So, uh, you know, hopefully this thing will turn around within the next two to three years. But, well, uh, one and done right. for Brunson, huh? You're, you're talking the Eagles franchise quarterback in college, the Sixers franchise point guards in college. Look at you, Johnny Mita. That I'm, I'm, I'm all over it. Hopefully he's predicted stands for We'll see. I'm going to start, guy. We're going to come up with a new handle for you. Maybe like College Johnny Meter or something. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm University John. Meter University. 
Exactly. You know I'm always scouting the college. I love it, brother. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. One bold prediction for the Philadelphia Eagles on, you know, quote-unquote second half, not the official second half, but post-bye week. Uh, you want to start? Yeah. All right, go ahead. If you you better not you better not have what I've got. All right. Well, why don't you go first? No, 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 no. That's fine. You go. All right. The Eagles will beat the Patriots. Oh when they're my God! <laughs> we did it again, didn't we? The Eagles beat the Patriots in Foxborough in Week 13, handing the Pats their first loss of the season. The Birds put up 31 points and win. Uh, excuse me, put up 34 points and win 34-31. That's what I wrote down. Damn it. All right, let me go to my other one then. Eagles finish 9-7 right. and seven and win the division. You know, I read a piece. I think it was David Murphy on Philly.com. Used to be the Phillies beat writer. Now he's just a columnist uh, for the Daily News. High cheese, my man. Uh, really love his work. I think it was his piece that I was reading this morning or, or late yesterday. Just kind of sizing up the NFC East. And, and I know you and I have talked about this. Probably not so much on SoundCloud.com. But, you know, in our phone conversations and venting to one another, the Eagles have some very winnable games. And I know in the National Football League, that's a scary thing to say. And I know having witnessed this football team, the Philadelphia Eagles, through the first seven weeks, it's a very, um, it's maybe not, the, it's, an, it's a very naive thing to say that they've got winnable games. But the Dolphins, the Bills, the Buccaneers, the Redskins a second time, the Lions are a grease fire. I mean, which one, when I say those teams, where do you go? Miami. That's a that's an automatic loss. Miami, Tampa Bay. No, you're absolutely you know. Right. So I mean, that's that's four or five games. Whatever I just rattled off right there, that now puts yeah. you at seven or eight. You beat the Giants the last game of the year, and now you're at nine wins. You know, and that doesn't you know that doesn't include even this Sunday. That doesn't include the Patriots game. I mean, this Eagles team could still. Look, when you say three and four, it's November. You already have four losses. How the hell are you going to get to January with only six or seven? It doesn't seem that plausible. But if you sit down and look at the schedule, with the way this defense is played, if the Philadelphia Eagles can stay healthy and they can some way figure out, I, I just, dear Jeebus, for the love of Tim Tebow, if the offense can put it together for four quarters, five different times, they're going to win five more games. And that and that's eight wins, you know. And then you're going into the last game of the year in New York with the division title at stake. And and as a football team, as a fan base, as players, coaches, whatever, that's all you can ask for is a shot at the end. And if they put themselves in that spot by taking care of business, beating the crappy teams they should, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. I know that's I I know it's a partial leap of faith, and maybe Sunday's not a death nail if they don't win. But for crying out loud. There is an opportunity here still. Oh, I mean, their division, just in general, the NFC is not very strong. Now, there's a couple teams in there you think that are totally legitimate. But other than that, you're right. There's so many games. You rattled off all the names that are winnable. It's just a matter of can the offense catch up and play to a level where their defense is. If they can find a way to... I know we're talking, we want them to score 30 points a game. Listen, if they can put up 24 points yeah. a game, 28 points, and your defense is only giving up 17 to 20 points a game, there's going to be a lot of winnable games. So I don't think you're crazy to think that, that it can't be done. It's just a matter of it, can they turn the switch off? 
bold, predi- bold prediction part. Bold prediction part two for me. And this, I don't even know if this is plausible, like physically possible by yeah. NFL standards. But the Eagles host the wild card game after winning the NFC East, and they host the second place team in the NFC South, the Atlanta Falcons, and they get revenge for Week One as Byron Maxwell shuts down Julio Jones at the link, and the Eagles win in a route. There we go. How do you like That's that one? one? I like it. That is a bold prediction. <laughs> <laughs> anything, anything involving Byron Maxwell and shutting somebody down, yeah, is a bold prediction. But beating the Patriots right now is a bold. Yeah, prediction. yeah, that ain't happening. That ain't happening. But hey, you know we we can, we can only hope, Johnny made it. We can only hope. I'm sorry, maybe Sam man. Bradford likes deflated footballs. We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. All right. Uh, Let's spread some love, my man. All right. Let's spread some love. Can't wait to hear your reaction with my love. <laughs> All right, well, why don't you start, my friend? All right. I'm going to spread the love. Quarterback that Joe really has no appreciation for himself. But, and that goes out to Cam Newton. Oh. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I don't Cam know Newton. a quarterback named Cam Newton. I only know Scam Newton. Okay. Well, anyway, Cam Newton this week did an incredible thing. He spent his Friday night, he crashed a Halloween party in Concord, North Carolina, for a 10 year old boy who was struck in, named Elijah, who was struck in with a totally rare form of cancer. Uh, they moved this Halloween party up due to the fact that he just, um, the doctors weren't sure how long uh, this young man had left. And Cam Newton crashed the party. It brought an ice cream truck, a video game truck, and to quote Elijah's mother, as a mom, it absolutely melts your heart. A big props to Cam Noon. You know, here's a guy, you know, Cam, the one thing about this guy is uh, he's totally involved with his community. As a player, he does a lot of humanitarian things. And so I'm a big fan of his, both on and off the football field. Big props to uh, Cam Noon, a.k.a. Superman. I can't stand the towel in the jersey over the head, man. I can't get past that. I'm sorry. All right. But no, good, good spread, good spread the love. <laughs> good job, Cam. I'm gonna spread the love, Johnny Mita, to Ryan Madsen, the former Philly, who after not pitching in Major League Baseball from 2011 up until this season was able to lock down his second World Series ring. A guy that seemed like he was always a good guy wearing Philly's pinstripes and was, you know, almost as dominant as Lights Out Lidge in 08, 09. I mean, some unbelievable seasons for Ryan Madsen. Philly's uniform. Always liked him. Was so glad that he was part of the 08 club that got it done because... You know, let's be honest, he was with the team for a number of years, a number of bleak years leading up to 08. But uh, Ryan Matson last year with the Phillies, 2011, didn't play again, didn't pitch again in the majors because of multiple surgeries, injuries, recovery time. Kansas City Royals take a flyer on him as a cheap free agent option, a, you know, a reclamation project. And granted, he wasn't, you know, the Ryan Matson of 2008 or 2007 or 2009. But Ryan Matson has himself a second World Series ring. Congratulations to him. Always seemed like a good guy, and uh, one of my favorite Phillies from that from that team, especially. You know, you look at that bullpen with J.C. Romero and Madsen and Lidge. I mean, they were dominant 
Uh, yeah. And a big reason the Phillies won it all. So congrats to Ryan Matz in his second World Series ring. I like it. Big shout out to Mad Dog. And big shout out to the Royals for beating the Mets. Yes. Amen, brother. Amen. F the Mets. I could not have been. I mean, I honestly, if the Mets won the World Series, we probably wouldn't have done the podcast this week. We would have taken like a four four month hiatus because I'd just been so sick to my stomach. It was nice to see him go down with flames. Yeah, in flames. Great way to put it. All right, on the fly final segment for our fans here on SoundCloud.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Beloved Podcast. On the fly, unscripted question for one another. Uh, I'm ready when you are, brother. All right, buddy. Um, so, in your opinion, Joe, what do you think? What would you say? Who is the most underpaid coach? And I'm not uh, talking like specific, you know, coach. I'm talking like you know, professional sports. Is it, you know, is it hockey coaches? Is it big league managers? Is it NFL? Who do you think are the most underpaid coaches? And the reason why I preface this question is. Well, I don't know. Just give me what your opinion is on that, and I'll just throw something else out. Well, I don't think it's I don't think it's college coaches because from what my especially football, my understanding they make a ton of money. I'm sure Coach Cal, Kentucky basketball is making a ton of money. I think NFL coaches get paid pretty handsomely. Um, yeah. I don't really know too much about the NBA coaches, but if you look at the the coaching uh, the coaching ranks, the coach with you know basketball and hockey are similar because you've got. Uh, you know, generally less guys out there and less guys than on your staff, right? Hockey, you're dressing five and a goalie. Obviously, you have line changes. Basketball, your rotation's, what, eight guys, nine guys. Your bench is totaling maybe 12, unless I'm, unless I'm way off there. Uh, but they don't have a ton of coaches. Hockey teams have a guy, an eye in the sky, maybe two guys on the bench, three guys on the bench at max, a goalie coach that helps out. You know, so you're you're talking about totally different staffs. Whereas baseball, um, you know, you got hitting coach, you got bench manager, you got first base, third base, you know, right on bullpen coach. Football, there's a coach for every single position. So um, I, I I guess I'd have to lean towards hockey and basketball because they probably manage the most, and yeah. there's sports that are you know unlike the NFL that's a billion dollar industry. The NHL is not raking in billions and billions of dollars so i'd probably have to say it's hockey or basketball yeah yeah well the reason why i brought it up is because the washington nationals they offered bud black did you hear this uh-huh. 1.6 million dollars a one-year deal 1.6 million and you thought that was high or low i thought that was just embarrassing 1.6 million dollars and that's not a lot at all think about this too man well, 162 uh, games. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And if they make the playoffs, now you're talking like plus spring training. Talking like 190. I mean, that's a lot. Like, I just saw 1.6 million. What's Chip Kelly make? Do you know? Yeah, I think he makes like six a year. Something like that. Wow. Either six between four and six. 6.5 million. Yeah. Is it six point? Yeah. Yeah. Well, how about this? Ken Wittenhunt gets fired. You know, today was D-Day in the NFL. No, hang on. This is back. This is ba- no, this is just quick little Google search. 2013, Adam Schefter reporting. 35-year deal, $32.5 million. Wow, five yeah. years, huh? He's, is this, wow. Ken Wittenhunt? No, no, no. Is that what you're talking No, I'm talking Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly? Got a five-year deal, so he's, up, he's yeah. up before you know it. Yeah. Well, Ken Right? Next year is year four, isn't it? 
Absolutely. Wow. Ted Wisenhunt got a five-year, $30 million deal. He was only in year two and gets fired and gets to keep all of that. Wow. How crazy is that? So, so Adam Schefter at the time, again, this is a couple years ago now, of yeah. the coaches whose salaries are known, only five NFL coaches made more in 2012 than the $6.5 million average annual value of Kelly's contract. So he immediately became, out of Oregon, one of the highest paid coaches in the National Football League. All right. This is actually a perfect segue transition. Again, totally, you didn't know this. I mean, this is a, a just a gold transition to my on-the-fly for you. Like, yeah. couldn't have scripted it if we had tried any better. All right, John Mita, you're Jeffrey Lurie, owner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Would you make a call or take a call from the Tennessee Titans about possibly trading the services of your head coach, Chip Kelly, so he could be reunited with Marcus Mariota? <laughs> wow, this is flying around the radio waves around here. It is? Oh, yeah. People are talking. Trade him to Tennessee for first-round draft pick. Yada, yada, yada. Um, are you making the call or are you taking the call? Now uh, you're not making the call. You'll take the call. But I think, you know, Jim Harbaugh actually almost got traded to the Cleveland Browns. So it's definitely last year, I think it was. So it's definitely not out of the realm of possibility. But at the same time, who knows? And is Chip going to leave for USC? I mean, I, I don't know. Ah, I don't know. I think you got to ride him out for a couple more years and see what he can do. I don't know if I would. I mean, it would have to be an unbelievable offer. And then I'd think about it. But Well, Jeff, Jeffrey Lurie's in his back pocket or vice versa. I mean, they're, they're, they're separated, you know. They're like Siamese twins right now. He gave them all the power. He believes in them. Yeah. So I, I find it hard to believe he'd entertain the call, but wanted to get your take on it. Hey, let's not forget that yeah. uh, Chucky John Gruden was once essentially yeah. traded uh, in the 2001-2002 offseason when the Raiders allowed him to walk, basically sign with the Bucks, and then the Raiders got you know compensation in return. Yeah. I think that was a yeah. couple of first-round draft picks. So, All right, Johnny Mita, you got a prediction for the uh, Eagles-Cowboys Sunday night, my man, as we get on out of here? My predictions haven't been too good this year. My prediction is just win, baby. Just win. I love it. Couldn't say it better myself. Thanks to all the listeners. Spread the love for us. SoundCloud.com, Brotherly Love Podcast. For John Mita, I'm Joe O'Donnell. We'll see. Go Birds. Go Birds. Thanks for listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com. 